welcome. This is Making Small Business Work. I'm Alex Martindale, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Annie Clark. Annie is the owner of an Elabasho franchise in Castle Hill. Our conversation ended up going a little longer than expected, so this episode will be shared in two parts. Part one discusses the startup, staff recruitment, her external management style, and the process of franchise selection. So welcome, Annie. First, let's start with your story. So, Alex, my, I guess, Elabashe for me, the way I describe it is a second career change or, I guess, a lifestyle change. We opened up our small business in October 2016 and have been on an incredible journey so far. I came from really humble beginnings. I grew up in a small country town in far north Queensland called Dimbula, which in the 2011 census had 1,414 people living in it. So to be able to start a business in the big smoke, so-called Sydney, has been an exciting, challenging, but really rewarding journey. My career has not always been in beauty therapy. I actually joined the Australian Defence Force and studied through the Australian Defence Force Academy when I was 17. There I studied a Bachelor of Business and then started a career as a logistics officer in the Air Force. Working as a logistics officer gave me a great appreciation for supply chain management and most importantly, contracts management throughout my 12-year career. These skills, whilst really valuable in the way in which I interact with others and with my staff and third parties to our business, um, gave me an opportunity to build upon some of my soft skills as I came to understand that running a small business is very different to working in the Australian Defence. The great thing about my career in defence was not necessarily learning the skills on how to manage a small business, but how to work with people. One of the most important things I've learned being a small business owner is that critical relationship management that you need to not only have with your staff, which I think are the most important people um, of your team, but also with any support elements around you. So for us as a franchisee, our relationship with head office at Elabasho is really critical. So we need to maintain good communication there, but also um, with any third-party advertising agencies or providers that provide us support in growing our business. The Australian Defence Force obviously teaches us key skills in leadership, communication, and also the importance of discipline, um, which is very important when running a very small business. So why a franchise? Like I said before, my background is in contracts management in the Australian Defence Force. So going into business has always been a desire and a passion for myself and my husband, but we don't have practical skills in running a small business. So instead of starting something from scratch and finding our way through the woods, which we do anyways, we looked at doing a franchise because it was attractive in having support from head office. So being able to kind of navigate those early days, having people who are experts in beauty therapy, but also in business management, also gave us a really great head start. Having said that, even as a franchisee, there's still many learning curves. And the franchisor won't have all the answers for you. So you need to, to find other sources of education and knowledge in that startup process. Ella Bache was your choice then? Ella Bache has been a part of Australian skincare culture for over 60 years. I think they're coming up to about 64 years. It's an iconic Australian brand. So it's well known amongst like, you know all generations of Australian, particularly Australian women, but also for the quality of the products as well. So Madame Bache designed um, and developed um, Ella Bache in Paris 
And when her family came over to Australia, they brought Elabashe to Australia. We have tailored some products to Australian conditions, particularly our sun care range, but most of it has been developed with um, chemists in, in Paris. So it's really top of the line premium skincare. Making small business work. Tell me about the startup. Did you take enough leave in the initial stages of the business commencing? Yeah, so I only I only took three months off. So I stopped working um, with Defence in October. I took leave, and then I started working with Defence again in come mid to late January. So I only spent a really short amount of time in that startup. If I could go back in time, Alex, I would um, do things a little bit differently. When you start a new business, there's excitement, there's energy, You've, especially with opening promotions. You've got a lot of people coming through your door. And I guess due to my inexperience, when you've got so much energy, it's hard to focus and you don't know where you should be putting your attention to, to what key facets of your business. So, you know, understanding what drives your business and what is going to keep it sustained in the long term is really important in the first year. So we had plenty of clients coming through and I was really busy helping our therapists get them in and out of the door, making sure that their service was was really great. But I never focused on a key part of our industry, which is rebooking of clients. And this is a lesson that I learned, you know, in the next four or five months of starting up. So understanding what your key drivers are from the very beginning is going to set you up for success and what things are going to continue um, giving your business strength after strength in the long term in the future as well. So that was a really big learning curve for me. Um, did I Would I like to have taken more time off from defense to do the startup? Potentially. Um, however, you know, what's the power of hindsight is, is absolutely incredible. So, but no, three months was really a great setup. But if I could go back in the future, I probably wouldn't have taken that time off initially. I probably would have taken that time off from, from defence probably three months after my business had opened. Okay, so you returned to work and have managed the business externally. There must be some challenges in managing from afar. Good question, Alex. Balance is really important and a key in us being able to be successful in this kind of um, external management owner relationship with this business is technology. So technology allows me to be inside my business even though I'm not inside the four walls. I have the ability to log into our system from anywhere around the globe. So we went on a holiday um, for two weeks over to, to Greece and Portugal and I was able to check in on, on the salon and, and do work remotely for it whilst being away. I've invested a lot of time into my manager as well. So being at external to the business, I have a full-time manager who runs the day-to-day -day errands of the business, um, but we are in constant communication. So on a day-to-day -day basis, we'll either speak over phone or over text message for any issues that come up, if there are any um, ordering processes that I need to be aware of or the development of our other therapist, our more junior staff, we're constantly um, talking all the time. I spend all day Saturday in the salon when I don't have other commitments outside of work and I spend um, Friday afternoons and Thursday evenings there as well. So roughly about two days a week in the salon if I puzzle it all together. For this external management to be successful, you must have pretty solid recruitment, induction and orientation processes in place for all staff then. When we first opened, we were kind of like those desperate business owners. We needed people, we needed staff. The fantastic thing about being a part of the Elabashai 
Bechet Franchise Network meant that when we interviewed therapists or if we had therapists that were trained under Ella Bechet or who worked in, in other salons in the network, we would be able to get feedback from head office on making our decisions. So when we chose our staff initially, we had support from head office in in finding um, who was the right candidate for the job as well. There's actually an Elbache College in our time and in here in Sydney. So a lot of the students that are coming out of the college have excellent skills and have high quality training in beauty therapy. So we're able to reach into that pool to get work experience students if we need to, also to reach out to any alumni from that group of college graduates. In terms of training, development and ongoing support for our, our staff members, head office does definitely have those opportunities to continue training, which is really important. Training keeps your staff from being bored. It keeps them learning new things and keeps them excited about Elabache, the brand and its products. Investing time into training is something that I've learnt in the last couple of months to choose that time, that quality of time closely. So training obviously gives you a significantly better return on investment if you put the time and effort into it. We have training at least once a month where our head office field trainer comes out to us and teaches us new skills or rehashes any skills that we need to stay up to date with. Have we lost, have we had a turnover of staff? Yes, staff turnover, uh, particularly in beauty therapy, is something that is consistent. We have, however, been able to maintain um, key staff throughout that process as well. As our business grows and as our experience grows, we're now able to choose the right people for not only Elabache, but for our business type. Not being in the salon full-time, I need my staff members to be mature, experienced, and also reliable. So those are some of my key drivers when choosing new staff and also skill set. I'm a firm believer that in the power of healing through touch, the ability to comfort or counsel people, and beauty therapy gives that opportunity. So there's nothing more healing than a relaxing massage or a one-hour facial where you don't have your phone going off or you don't have children asking for you. So picking staff members that are aligned with your personal values and beliefs makes a really workable um, working relationship within the salon. You get to work with like-minded people when you know what you're looking for during that recruitment process. I imagine that becomes even more vital to get the right people for employment of the store manager as you essentially need to hire someone to make yourself redundant. Yeah, definitely. Now, we've just had a change in manager in the last two months. So my last manager um, has moved on into a, a different role. So growth is something that I'm really supportive of my staff. Now, she's moved into a sales and training position with another cosmetics company. So my 2IC has been able to step up into that manager role. So she's been with us from the beginning. So she knows our business processes. She knows me and my expectations and my values for the work and quality that we produce within our business. So we've been able to keep that like-mindedness with our manager and handed that over during that transition period. I've always been open with developing and staff growth. Beauty therapists roughly on age are anywhere between 20 and 25 years. So they're really at the start of their careers. So giving them the opportunity to explore and not holding any guilt if they want to look outside and develop their skills is something I think I would like if I was 20 or 25. But building a work environment where they don't want to do that is always going to be a challenge where you want them to keep growing within your own business. But it's always important to keep giving them challenges, um, areas for 
for them to grow. And parts of the business that they can start working on, which they may not have had exposure to before. So understanding the numbers, understanding what needs to be done in terms of um, weekly targets and giving them those sorts of goals as well. Making small business work. feeling in control on a day-to-day basis? Look, I'm still learning that element of letting go as well because there are some things that you pride yourself on being able to do. What I've learned between juggling this double life, I sometimes call it, is the importance of delegation. And you can only delegate effectively if that member is trained. And like you said, that's perfect terminology. You become redundant in that process. So, but at the same time, I think as a small business owner, you need to know what you can share and what you need to keep close, what's really important for you to know, um, instead of faffing around with things that might not be as important as you think it is and allowing those to be picked up by others. One major benefit of external management must be the ability to not get totally sucked into the business and having that space to work on the business. Exactly. I completely agree with that as well. Yes, there are moments where I get sucked into working in the business. I wouldn't have gone into business if I didn't enjoy that element and if I didn't enjoy doing that work. But you're always constantly reminding yourself, am I working in the business or am I working on the business? Often being a small business owner can teach you a great deal about yourself. What have you enjoyed most about ownership so far? I think what I've enjoyed the most of being a small business owner is the challenge and I guess the self-discovery as well. There are moments where you don't think you can take any more pressure or you can take on any more tasks or interview any more new staff members and somehow with the support, and it's not by a miracle, there's definitely elements around you that help you get through these moments But when you're able to to get through that moment and kind of turn around and look behind you and see that you've you've been successful and that you've gotten through, I think I've learnt the most and what I love the most about this job is is definitely that self-discovery journey, knowing that, hey, you can't do it all. You've got to be smart and efficient with your energy and behaviours, particularly in an industry where you work with people, you interact with people. It can be quite draining. So you need to be able to keep those reserves So you can put your, you know, it's a very precious resource, your energy, into the areas that count the most. So I've learned a lot about myself in this process. Making small business work. There must be both strengths and limitations to going down the franchise path. Definitely. Like I said before, the strengths is definitely the expertise that you get from, you know, a company that's been in business in Australia for over 60 years. The model as well, they set you up for what they know works. There are limitations in terms of the direction in which you go. So obviously you have to stay aligned with with branding, overarching strategic direction that's given to you by head office as well. But that isn't necessarily a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing if you're someone with a background like mine, which isn't in beauty therapy, but something completely different, some people might say. So that guidance is really important. You have to choose your, your franchisor or whatever business you go into really closely. So you didn't start with an affiliation for a particular franchise. So we didn't just jump at Elabashe straight away. We had a, a, a look at a number of different um, franchising options 
And it wasn't just in the beauty industry either. We had an initial look at doing a, a burger franchise. We also had a look, so we went down and, and had an interview in Melbourne at one stage. But back then we didn't have enough capital, so that wasn't feasible. We actually met with Grilled in Melbourne. We went down to Melbourne. We had an interview with the Grilled franchisor, and that was something that we wanted to do, but we didn't have enough capital at the time. And there were other some, some other personal issues. We thought if we worked in food, particularly burgers, we would be working late nights. We would smell of delicious burgers, but that potentially could get old. And with my logistics background, I always thought about that perishable supply chain. For me, that was something that would require close monitoring at all times. And that aligned with health, uh, food and health standards as well, would be something that I, my current arrangement, I didn't think would be sustainable or a very good operation for us to go down. Oh, I guess you conducted a type of risk assessment. Yes, a risk assessment against our personal desires as business owners, but also our lifestyle. What do we want our lives to look like? And that's going to be really important that if you're going to have this business for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, how do you want to live and work for that period of time? And I knew I didn't want to be up at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, flipping burgers if I needed to, um, even though I love them. They're, they're so delicious. Uh, we also had a look at um, juice bars. We were very close at investing in juice bar in our local area, two, two local areas. And we looked at two different franchise franchises for that as well. And it was really interesting to see the differences between two companies in the same field. Um, and fortunately, I, I don't think I could listen to the uh, um, from nine till five every day, seven days a week. So that business would have been a seven day a week um, operation as well. So again, going back to our lifestyles, do we want to be doing that? Do we want to be working with that? So that was a reason why we didn't continue down that path as well. Beauty has always been a passion of mine. I, ever since I was young, I either wanted to be a beauty therapist or a hairdresser, or I told my mom that I wanted to be a receptionist because all I wanted to do was answer the phone all day and file my nails. And um, they were really, I guess, encouraging of us to go to university. So they weren't particularly encouraging us to become dentists or chiropractors or nurses or anything like that. They just said, whatever you do, Annie, you need to go to uni. And then somehow I've ended up going to the Australian Defence Force Academy and studying business, which ended up being probably the most perfect thing that could ever happen because I learned a lot from my business degree. I learned that I'm terrible at history, so I, ch I chose that as an elective, but I really thrived the human resource-based subjects as well which has kind of led to my passion of working with people and kind of trying to make the best workplace for people I possibly can to then get the best outcomes out of them. With any franchise agreement, there will be limitations on what you can and can't do. For our particular industry, if we provide particular services or if we want to use particular products in our business, we do need to seek approval from head office. That's really important because it means that all the different Elabashé businesses are aligned with the brand and that we're providing quality service, which aligns again with the mission of Elabashé um, head office as well and overarching strategy. With the limitations, you can kind of get excited with wanting to add new skills or if there's new technology you want to introduce into your workforce space or business, you are restricted in your ability to do that. Whilst it's a limitation, it keeps us from getting too excited. If there are any new developments or anything needs to be added in or changed, it will be tested by head office to make sure it's aligned with 
health and safety regulations and also it actually produces the skincare results you want. The way I deal with, I guess, those limitations is being patient and knowing that there are areas that I can always work on. When you have a small business, you'll, you constantly have a to-do list that's never-ending. There will always be a new item added to that list. Being restricted by those limitations doesn't mean you take those goals or desires off that list. You just move the next priority up and you keep your finger on the pulse or monitoring that area that you want to move forward. Making small business work. brings us to the end of part one. Tune in to the next episode to hear Annie continue to share her business journey. Follow us on Facebook or get in contact through alex at productivitypeople.com.au.